I take it there's only four verses in yours? Oh, okay. That's okay. No big deal. So, the text for the sermon this day is taken from uh, Matthew, which we read earlier, specifically this verse. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was speak, still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Before we really get to look at this text... At the very beginning of this reading, it says, and after six days, which is a hint to you that something that happened right before it might be of significance. The, in chapter 16, you have, you have Peter saying of Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But within the very next paragraph, you have Peter again saying, you have Jesus giving the prediction that he is going to suffer, that he is going to be arrested, he is going to be killed. To which Peter said, Far be it from you, Lord, this will never happen to you. To which Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. It's kind of understandable that Peter reacted the way he did. John's death was fresh on their mind. They knew of John the Baptist being dead. And so naturally they were afraid when Jesus said that he was going to suffer an even worse death. They didn't like it. But Jesus continues and says, if you wish to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. So in essence, Jesus say, is saying, not only will I die, but so will you on account of him. See, Jesus began by telling about what would happen to him. A horrible thing that nobody wants to hear, nobody likes it. If you really think about it, the death of Jesus, it's not as awesome and pretty as the transfiguration. The transfiguration, you have Jesus just shining brighter than the brightest light. If you've ever taken a moment to even look at the sun for even a second, you know how bright it is. It's even worse. But Jesus was even brighter than that. It was an incredible moment that Peter and James and John were experiencing. And we would much rather think of that Jesus than the Jesus who was on the cross. Jesus' cross was a necessary thing. It had to happen. He had to suffer on the cross. Because that was the only thing that could take care of our wretchedness. It was the only thing that could make, give us righteousness. It is by that death that we are poured, we are given righteousness. We are made disciples. We are united to Jesus in baptism, 
We are crucified with Him. As I talked about last week. But the thing is, when you become a disciple, it does not mean that this life, this earth, is all of a sudden going to be easy. It means it's actually going to be quite difficult. And the thing is, is I don't think we totally ever grasp what this means. Because here Peter wants to build up three tents. One for Moses, one for Elijah, one for Jesus. More specifically, he wants to build tabernacles, places of worship, to worship one of those three. And the thing is, the Peter has it wrong. We're not to worship just... See, here's the, we are not to worship Moses or Elijah. The only person we are to worship is God, the triune God. Setting up a tabernacle for Jesus, I guess that's not horrible, but setting one up for Moses and Elijah was blasphemous. Peter didn't really realize what he was saying, but that's what he was asking to do. To commit idolatry, follow after two who are not God. See, we're very much in the same thing. We very much like to have it where we have God and something else. Sometimes you'll hear people say, here are my priorities in life. Goes God, then comes uh, family, comes friends, then it comes, you know, work or whatever. And we go through a list of priorities. I'm going to let you, in on it, let you know something. God should not just come first in your life. He should not come second or third or fourth or fifth. He should come always in your life. Everything you do should be about Him. About serving Him. Without exception. There isn't a moment where you say, ah, this is my time with God, and this is my time with my family, this is my time at work. No. Your time with your family is your time with God. Your time at work is your time with God. Your time when you're driving is your time with God. There is not a point in your life that God is not to be, is that we should leave God out. He is to be a part of our life every second of our lives. So when you go out driving tonight and you see that speed limit sign and it says 55, you think 55. Don't imagine that it says 8 We're on one of those numbers. You drive exactly what it says. When you, when you come up on somebody who's driving, you know, 45, they're driving a little bit slower, you don't ride on their bumper. You give space. Why? Because you're, you, love, you should be loving that person in the car in front of you. You see kids running around. You pay attention. It means that when, you are, when it comes to your, your work, your job, whatever your vocation may be, you don't cheat your way. You get what you get by honesty. You work hard. You don't try to take shortcuts. You don't try to steal from your coworker or whoever, or maybe the net, or your neighbor, whoever it is, it might be. 
It should be all about strengthening one another. It means that if you, when it comes to your family, you, do, you, would, you raise them to be honorable, you raise them to be just, but you're also patient, you're gentle, not easily uh, provoked to anger. Oh, and by kids, kids, you're not supposed to provoke your parents to anger either. When it comes to your family, it, ha- it affects how you relate to them. And even more than that, if you ever look, you remember your small catechism? What was at the very top of every section, every chief part? When you got to the Ten Commandments, what was at the very top? Whose duty is it according to that? The head of the household. Go to the, every single one. The head of the household's job is to teach this. In other words, that means in your family, you spend time in God's Word. Whether you have kids around or not. You pull out your Bible and you read it together. Sing a hymn together. It's actually very good for the relationship. If you're, if you're, if you're married or whatever, or if you're, just, if you're like me and you're single, it's still good. Just sit there, pull out your hymnal. Raise your hand if you have at least have any kind of hymnal in your house. That means you have a resource, wonderful, wonderful resource for devotions. That's why I have that congregation of prayer that I keep on handing out every week. So that way you, you have in there a part of the catechism. If you say that every day, guess what? It begins to stick in. Keep, might come back what you forgot. I know it's a little bit different word than what you grew up on. But you'll, get, you'll be able to catch on. This is why, I don't know if you um, have noticed, but for the younger kids, we started handing out this thing that's called Lessons for Lambs. If you look on the ins- if any of you happen to get that, look on the inside, you'll see there's a point, a part where parents are supposed to talk with their kids about what ha- what was what was in the scripture readings. Talk about the hymn. That is what it, that is what it is to be, you know, to be a disciple of Christ, to follow Him in your family, to to have Him as the the very center of your life is that every aspect of your life is molded and shaped by the reality that you are, belong to Christ. That you are His child, you are His disciple. That's the way we are to be. Now I realize that there's times that we stumble, we fall. As, as Luther commonly uses, said that we are simulustis et peccator, simultaneously just and sinner, or saint and sinner. Our sinful nature always is trying to get its way, trying to drag us down, and we give in. That is what, why we do what we did at the beginning of the service. That's why we do what we should, hopefully I'll introduce before the year's out. That's why we go to confession. We confess our sins. We say these words. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature, no, it's from birth, sinful and unclean. We have sinned against your thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. And it keeps going. This is why we confess. But it also ends with, he says, 
For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. In other words, we're not only conf- when we, re- we have this act of repentance, when we confess our sins, we are saying that we are entering into a new life. We are asking the Holy Spirit to make us a new creation, to lead us to not continue in this sin, to live differently. That is what we keep doing. And every time we stumble, we come and repent. And we continue to ask for the Holy Spirit to make us new, to live differently. And notice right before, it's to carry the cross. And I mentioned in, just mentioned in the Bible class, do you realize what that means to carry the cross? It means to be hated, to be humiliated. To be rejected because you are a Christian. It means to suffer on the count of Christ. If we are his disciples, if we spend more and more time in his word, if we form our lives around him, I mean, this is, and just to show, by the way, a really good example I had this last week, we had a meeting with the OCMA, Osceola County Ministerial Association. And Bill Bohr, who is, our, is the superintendent of Sibilio Cheatin, was there. And we, we like to meet with him to just kind of see what we could do to help the schools. But we, and one of the things that came up was, you know, we asked him, what can you do to help us as a church work around the schedules of, your, of the kids? Could you open up a weekend? And he simply said, you know what, it comes to priorities of the kids, He himself said that he does not let his kids be over-involved for the very reason so that they would be still connected to the church. Because that is what is the center of it. That's the center of our lives. Is God. It's Christ. We have been redeemed by him. We have been created by him. We owe everything to him. And may we, as Christians, deny ourselves, pick pick up our cross, and follow him. Do as God commanded to Peter. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Follow him. Live as if he saved you. And tell others that he did. Until he comes, in Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith and the life everlasting, amen. Please stand.